Hey, I'm Micah. And I'm Jen. From 1994 to 1996, Jen lived in the middle of nowhere, Montana. But not by choice. She was sent to a therapeutic boarding school. I had some issues. While there, she performed hard labor. There was also a lot of forced exercise. Went through daily, hours-long group therapy. That shit didn't work. And when she left, she was left with some holes in her life. Holes? One of the holes was her pop culture hole. Yeah, I missed a lot of shit. And that's a hole we can fill. Captain, we've got them in our tractor beam. Okay, cool. It's time for... I never saw that. Is that the music? Well, that was um, similar to the music from the original Star Trek series, Uh which they don't use for this one. Yeah, what they use for this one is more like... (laughs) It's not at all. I don't know if I could think of a less sexy show that we've watched. I guess I was watching Seinfeld. Oh, right, right, right. Seinfeld, that wasn't porno music. No, it was... Whatever. It was Seinfeld. I hate this episode so far. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. Thanks for watching. We haven't even talked about what we're talking about. It sucks so much. Well, I've had kind of, you know, I just got home Mm -hmm. late from class. I have a class. And the last two people that were listening to this have stopped. So. Wow, you're saying that no one cares about the personal details of my life? Well, that's where you're wrong, Micah, because I have questions to respond to about oh. my personal time in Montana. Well, let's So talk why don't about you them. go ahead and eat a bag? I will. Was that? I sound almost... Of popcorn. A bag of popcorn? I'm going to have some popcorn. Will you talk <laughs> about your Montana stories? <laughs> okay. 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 Um, one of our loyal listeners and friends of the show, Leah Ray, um, posted this in our Facebook group, and I'm just going to read it real quick, and then I'll respond to it. Leah says, I would like to hear about what it was like to go straight from Montana to college. That must have been a culture shock. Did you find yourself saying, I never saw that constantly, or not getting tons of pop culture references? Also, was the freedom overwhelming? Was it hard to adjust to the academic demands? You haven't talked much about academics in Montana. Did you actually learn what you're supposed to learn during 11th and 12th grade? Really excellent questions. It is, and it's appropriate for this episode that we're about to talk about because I know that you did not learn any basic nonsense physics (laughs) based on the number of questions you had while we were watching. Star Trek Voyager. But get back to Montana. Okay. So whether we'll ad- I'll address all of this, I don't know. You know, all, these questions are always, uh, there's always a lot to say about them. And I, I always assume that they will come up again, some of these topics. But it was huge culture shock going to college from Montana. I don't remember feeling like I wasn't getting pop culture references. What I do remember is that in my freshman dorm, there were, per- first of all, the girls on my floor sucked and they were like mean girls from high school basically and still very much stuck in high school which was weird for me because i i didn't really come from high school in that way and so it was the whole thing was was foreign to me but some girls on our floor used to play over and over and over that fucking song by the wallflowers no. We're nailing it with the. How the does it go? 
I don't know if I would hate that song as much as I do if it weren't for those people and the fact that they played that song so loudly on repeat every day. Uh, But that was definitely a piece of pop culture that I didn't know of before I got to college. I don't know if it was big before I got there or what. I mean, later there were definitely like, I think that the, the stuff I missed came up later when I found like my people. Because I didn't find my people right away. But one of the biggest parts of my culture shock was that I was sober at the time. Yeah, you were like fully on board at that point. Oh, man. I was... Thought you were going to be sober the rest of your life. Yeah, I I started... I found an AA meeting to go to a couple times a week, I think. And I did. And I found a sponsor who was rad, actually. Um I still think of her often, but um, I was going to AA and I had the sponsor, but that part of my life was so foreign to everyone that I was surrounded Mm -hmm. by and no one understood that. I was 18 years old. I was going to ask, were there, there weren't any other students that you connected with that were sober or that you knew? There was, there was one, yes. And we started a little club with Mm. the help of one of the counselors. Yeah, it was just the two of us. We tried to start like a campus AA support group or whatever. I don't, I think, I don't know if either of us stayed sober. Hmm. But yeah, so I was very much still drinking the Kool-Aid. And I'm not saying being sober is drinking Kool-Aid. I'm also not saying AA is drinking Kool-Aid. I actually, I actually really like AA. There are some things I don't like about it. Um, but as far as it being like a support network and community, I think it's really, really great for Mm. a lot of people. But I'm talking about the Montana Mm Kool-Aid, that certain flavor, you know? Oh, yeah. What what flavor would that be? Oh, um, like... Mountain freshness? Mountain mm, zest? No, it would be like horse shit. Horse shit. Pine. (laughs) Horse shit and pine Kool-Aid. I was also probably drinking Kool-Aid at this time, like literal Kool-Aid with vodka mixed in it or something. Because I was 18 and I was at college, and there was a lot of newfound freedom. There was a lot of newfound freedom, and for me, way more so than everyone else. One, I mean, yeah. So the so the sobriety thing was interesting. I was just going to say, real quick, I was going to say, I had written an aftercare plan before I left, which everyone mm. has to do. I mean, you put everything in there, like how often you're going to go to meetings, I forget what else. Like stuff about like how you're going to eat and how much water you're going to drink. And I remember the water part because I remember feeling like a failure because I wasn't drinking as much water as as my aftercare plan said. Did you have it with you? Did you like keep a copy of it and refer to it? I don't remember. Probably. Was that the extent of their aftercare and wraparound services? There was no contact or follow up or. Oh, well, I'll tell you the kind of contact and follow up I got. I stayed sober until, I believe, January. In November, I actually went back to Montana with some of my friends, Sarah Mm. Fontana, who's been on the show, was one of them, for Thanksgiving. That was the time in Montana when people can visit and stuff. There was a requirement that you be sober in order to come to that, and I was sober, so that was fine. So I went to that, and then, and I remember when I went to that thinking, or finding out that some of my friends were like smoking again. And being sort of like, oh, shit, what? 
Like, like they were there. But. Yeah. So anyway, um, in January, this horrible thing happened where I got together with a bunch of friends from Montana mm. in Santa Cruz. I say it was horrible because one of the people there made it horrible for me. But I was, I ended up just feeling like a fucking chump mm. because I was like still at that point, I was still drinking the Kool-Aid and I was still, you know, sober. Um, and And most other people weren't, or at least they were like, you know, they were starting themselves again and just like, you know, breaking the rules and doing whatever. And I was So these were friends from Montana. Did you see them in November when you went back for Thanksgiving? Yeah. Okay. And you all decided, let's get together in January. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah. That was the last time. That was the only time I ever got together with a group of people from there. Uh, And it was really traumatizing. It was horrible. Mm. It's hard to go. It's hard to explain exactly why. But basically, I had... I had what I thought were really close and intimate friendships with these people. And I think that that, and I, and I really did with a, with a few of them, with a few people from Montana, but like the illusion that we were all so close and loved each other so much because we'd been through so much together really came crashing down because hmm. it just wasn't that way. So not long after that, I think I had a drink. And so you didn't drink when you were in Santa Cruz. There were other people there I that were smoking not. and drinking. And I don't remember if they were drinking. I don't know. But you were felt you felt like shamed because you weren't drinking, or kind of. And I just felt like an idiot. Hmm. You know, and and like I don't know. One of the girls who I never liked very much anyway. Like we just didn't. The thing is, you don't connect with everybody, and she was mean. She hmm. was kind of mean when we were. In California. And then, and I saw another one of my very, very close friends from there on that trip. And she was, I was really worried about her because she was clearly, I I wasn't sure what was going on with her, but she was like a different person. Mm. You know, it was just the illusion. The illusion just fell apart for me. It just shattered. So, anyway, so not long after that, I had a drink. And then, I'm sorry, this is a really long way to get to your original question, which was, follow-up wraparound services. Mm-hmm. I called my counselor and I was like devastated. I had had a drink and I didn't know what to do. And so I called him. All I remember is him saying something like, like asking me, how, how'd that go for you? How'd that work out? And I was like, well, I feel terrible. And he said, well, thanks for doing the research for me. So I know not to make the same mistake, basically, because, yeah. he, you know, they were all sober. Mm-hmm. So basically he made kind of – he just made this kind of snide comment, and that's all I remember. And again, that was that was the second really big shattering of the illusion because mm. I was in – I mean, I talk a lot about Montana and how, you know, and a lot of the stuff that I – that is fucked up about it, but I had completely bought in. By that point, yeah. I mean – because you had to. Um, and But I was like, yeah, I'm going to try to live a better life. I'm going to try to be sober. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. And so anyway, they were not there for me at all. Now, another thing we've talked about before on the show is that there were major favorites. I was not one of them, at least of my counselor. So I think his response to other people was probably very different. I know that some people are still in touch with him. Anyway, so Leah, I apologize because we're kind of, we kind of got 
we've gone all over the place here and I don't want to spend a whole lot more time talking about this, but there are other aspects of your question um, that I would like to get to. Maybe we can, do you want to just put that off till next week, Micah? Sure. Um, you, Cause you did bring up like the new found freedom and I do mm-hmm. want to talk about that as well, but I don't want to get into all of that right now. Cause I think I talked enough. Wait, let me make a super smooth transition. Okay. Something that I, you know, think about a lot is how, how cool the spaceships were that we had in Montana. Oh, right. You know, we, yeah. and um, I, no, I was in Montana with some really badass women. And Star Trek Voyager has some really badass women in it. Yes, it does. Smooth as silk. <laughs> that was good. I think the key to good segues is announcing mm-hmm. that you're going to do a good segue. You're exactly right. Doing it. Mm-hmm. Then... Saying Say it that it was really good. Yes. And then I think Talking you're missing one key element. Though. No. At the end, you just want to throw in a yada yada. <laughs> no, because then, then I have to say it say, again. That's from last week's episode. Micah Sorry. is making a reference to the time that I said yada yada when I was giving a plot synopsis. And then after that, I just repeated what I had previously said. Mm-hmm. So that's how we use yada yada now. Yeah, we're a podcast about Montana popular culture from a certain time period and odd ways to use expressions and terms in the English language that no one will understand or recognize as having been used before ever in the history of the language. Wow. I was going to say that my my way of transitioning by like announcing it is very similar to the way I do impressions. Do you want to Oh god. Just yes. yell out a name and I'll I'll Okay, do... Rodney Dangerfield. Hey, I'm Rodney Dangerfield. Nice. I knew exactly who that was yeah, right away. That was, yeah. Okay, Harry Potter. Hey, it's me, Harry Potter. <laughs> American Harry Potter. Oh, I forgot. Oh, let me try that one again. Oh, yeah, you, just, you forgot he was British. I guess I that happens yeah, all yeah, the time, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Hey, it's me. It's... <laughs> <laughs> it's Harry Potter. Okay. Yep. Um, once again, I think we should... It's Harry Potter. Maybe. It's Harry Potter. How come I can't say it? I don't know, but let's explore that more next week. We don't want to, you know, do all of these right away. Maybe this can be a recurring segment. It should definitely be. But you have to have a recurring segment, too. It can't just be me showing off my talents. (laughs) So, we were talking about badass women. Yes, we were. It sounded like you had something to say there. Well, I was just... I talked a lot, so I was waiting for you to... Okay. But there are some... the, The... do you want <laughs> the main character of this show is a badass woman not only is she the captain of voyager but it is kate mulgrew who spent you... some time in prison before becoming a captain of starship is that supposed to be funny well yeah if you look at the timeline i mean it's that's not how a, it happened kate mulgrew plays red on Orange is the New Black. So it was really weird for me to hear her speaking without a Russian accent. Like her voice just sounded weird to me the whole time. Ooh, I can do a I can do red. I can do a good red impression. Let's hear it. It is for me. <laughs> my girls. I take care of my girls. <laughs> That's good. Thank you. She doesn't sound like this. She like sounds that in just the show. like that. She's, in the show. I think she does have a good Russian accent. She does. Um, just like mine. On that I show. And I say that as a person um, who has no idea what a good Russian accent actually sounds like. Yeah, you do. We um, made a Russian friend this summer. We did. We met one Russian man. Yeah. Um, so and he spoke English to us qualified with an accent. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Kate Mulgrew is the captain of this new 
Starship, the Starship Voyager. It's a new design, which I thought uh, looked real, real dumb. Let me just say that this show (laughs) was recommended by some of our listeners and supporters. Who love Star Trek. Who love love Star Trek Voyager. Mm -hmm. Now, Micah hated this show. I also want to say, if they're fans of, of our show, then they know that I'm a big dick. And they were probably expecting me to talk about talk some shit about their show. I will also say some good things. I was cool. I was not in love with Star Trek Voyager. I'm not a big Star Trek fan. I have to be honest. I've never been a big Star Trek fan. I have friends and I had f- family growing up that were Star Trek fans. And I can respect a lot of things about the show and how groundbreaking it was in a lot of ways. I do... I do respect that, and I think it was very important in a lot of ways. I also, I never watched Star Trek. I've never seen Star Trek. I think my mom watched the original Star Trek sometimes, Um, and so I've seen bits of episodes of that, you know, with, like, Captain Kirk and Professor Spock and shit. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. um, this was the first time, I think, that I had ever sat down and watched full – we watched two episodes. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I am brand new to to Star Trek. And so, you know, neither of us know what the fuck we're talking about at all. Right. Also, space stuff, I don't That's know. It's right in your wheelhouse. It's not in my wheelhouse. I wish it were because it, because I feel like it's in the it's only in your wheelhouse if you're, like, super smart. And people who are into, like, these kind of shows, it's, like, smart people. I'm but sure I, I'll probably get tweeted at for this. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't think that... Any of the things they said that were sciencey or spacey had any connection to reality in any way. There's a lot of nonsense and lingo that they just throw around. And yes, I know there are some things before you tweet at me. No, but please do tweet at me because nobody ever does. So no, I don't mind. Nobody ever does. Talk shit. What as are you much up to, want. though? Like 24 uh, followers? Oh, 31. Oh, wow. I broke 30. I should really have a party. sad that you only have that still. 31. No, it's a very curated list. Of followers, I don't think so because anyone can follow anyone on Twitter. It's yeah, not but you like can you block can't people. No, I can you, block well, people. You, okay, so you've blocked most of your followers. You've blocked like all the thousands of your. No, I haven't blocked anybody. I mean, it's okay. been they've just mm-hmm. been really good. I haven't had to actively actively curate mm-hmm. yet. I'm mm-hmm. Just saying, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. batting a thousand so far. Okay, um, um, I'm concerned about how we're gonna get through this because I don't want to talk about this forever (laughs) and um i want to just sort of give an overview yeah let me just set the table a little bit wait let me say one thing okay uh it opens pretty much exactly the same way as star wars okay i was really excited to say that because i knew you'd be so mad yeah no i'm not mad i actually that was one of the first notes i wrote yeah it actually does it has the scrolling it opens with a crawl story whatever and then it's just ships in space Mm -hmm. same shit yeah it opens very similar to many of the star wars films although the crawl is just straight up and down it doesn't go off into space like the star wars one did um but i wrote that down too uh so star trek voyager came out in 1995 the first episode, The Caretaker, premiered on January 16th, 1995, and it launched a brand new network, UPN. It was owned by Paramount. What? This show? Well, yeah, launched it was part new- of the, the new UPN network is one of their oh, know, oh, flagship. Oh. I don't know. Maybe it did. Maybe it was the first show ever shown on it. I'm not sure. But it was there at the launch of this new network. So Star Trek, the original series 
premiered in 1966. I think it was on for like three years. This series is set approximately 100 years after the events of that one. So I think The Next Generation was 100 years after that one, so this is right after Star Trek The Next Generation. And I'm just saying that because I think Star Trek The Next Generation and the original series are the most like popular and well-known, and so I just wanted to give people who have no idea about Star Trek, kind of like me, an idea of where this fits in. Yeah, that's really helpful for people who have no idea, don't know anything about Star Trek. But everybody knows the original one, and they've heard of Star Trek The Next Generation. No, they don't. Just through other pop culture things. But there are things like Deep Space Nine and Enterprise, which is a newer one, I think, that I have never seen any of those, and I have no idea. But I also wanted to bring this up because you said we don't have any idea about a lot of the Star Trek universe. And there are a lot of references to Star Trek-y things that when I was researching these and trying to figure out, like, what the hell are they talking about? There are things that were explored in other series that yeah, are well known. Yeah, I was wondering about that. And I kind of figured that that was the case because Star Trek seems like a very in... It's all in the same universe. What's and it's the, all... what, what am I trying to say, though? Like an in culture of, like, you know... Insider culture. I don't know. Anyway, it seems like probably most people that watch this show watched it because they liked... Yeah, and know all the rest of the shows. Yeah. And, right. Space battle. Lots of space battle. Yeah. I wrote, basically, this is a very long opening scene of space battle, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So we don't need to get too deep in the woods. Mm-mm. I just want to talk about some things that I noticed. Plasma storm. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot, a lot of, of them storms. talking about... I like that phrase Things a lot. that don't make sense. And yeah, maybe theoretical physics stuff, they do make sense in some way. But the way they cover it in the show just bugged the shit out of me. I'm not a physics person. I think it's called a physician. I'm not one of those. Hmm. But I know a little bit about physics. I really like physics. And it's something that I'm interested in. And I like reading about space phenomena, if you will. But I was annoyed by the way they talked about things. Like they... They throw out big terms as if everyone just knows them and you're supposed to understand what the hell they're talking about. And it's not connected to reality. They're just throwing them out and using these words. Betazoids. Betazoids. I have a note about betazoids. Betazoid. (laughs) Now say your thing. I have a note about betazoids. That's great. The reason betazoids came up is because there's a woman flying a shuttle... She's the she's piloting a shuttle, and this guy comes up creepily sitting behind her and starts talking about how normally I don't like Betazoids or some he says some bullshit that's like clearly a pickup line, and my note was, Oh, nice to see that sexual harassment is still alive and well in the twenty fifth century or whenever the fuck this is. Yeah. Um I, I think that Star Trek always I just always thought it seemed very silly. Mm. And it's kind of hard for me to get past that because, and it and they make it difficult because everything is just so overwrought, yeah. and the sciency techie jargon, you know, is like hilarious, and I just didn't know what was going on at all in the first episode. That said, there are some really good things about the second episode that I want to talk about, and I'm sure there were in the first episode too. I just was like, I couldn't. The first episode was also difficult because it was approximately nine and a half hours long. Oh, here's a note I took about it though. Kate Mulgrew, whose name, she's Captain Janeway. Mm-hmm. 
She said, ma'am is acceptable, but I prefer captain. Oh, God. And She's a fucking badass. That's another, that's another note I took, though, because even in the 25th century, this new ensign that's assigned to her ship is introduced to her the first time, and he calls her, he says, yes, sir, and then is immediately like, oh, um, ma'am, captain, uh, he didn't know what to do because a woman in charge, oh, they had to throw that in there. Hmm. I thought that was really strange. Especially for a show that is so, like the original series especially, was groundbreaking at the time. They had the first like interracial kiss on TV. Right. They had people of different cultures in this, on this ship, like different ethnicities, different races, and they were all like equals and they were, they were all like officers. Right, which is still the case. And that's one of the things that I really did appreciate about it. And it's not just that they exist there. They are actually addressing... They're actually addressing issues of, right? like, they they address issues of racism, Mm -hmm. I think even sexism, maybe not as directly. And I think... And the current Star Trek, the one that's on now, which we really should watch because it has Wilson Cruz in it, who is in My So-Called Life. That's the one I really want to watch. That one has an openly gay relationship. Yes. Which is cool. But yes, this show has always been pretty progressive that way. um, Yeah. And very intentionally so. Like, these stories are allegories for... Yes. You know, the social ills, the ills of our society. And some of the things that make it inaccessible, like the, the science fiction stuff and the, the lingo and the jargon they throw around, can kind of distract from that. I felt like in the first episode, it definitely did. Right. Because there are these overarching themes that are bigger, like allegories, like you said, and commentary on society. And some of those get lost in the space battle and the space phenomena that are going on i I do agree with that because i and for me on a personal note i get very stuck on details as you know micah if i don't understand something it's very difficult yeah for me to move on move along with the show past that like i i will perseverate about the thing i didn't understand and it might just be a term they use that isn't even that important um, but I think there was just a lot of that going on. And I, you know, when there's this much of it, it w- I was so saturated with that that I just sort of, yeah. I think I just so- sort of zoned out. And the second episode we watched, I felt like was better. There was still I, a lot of that I, going on, but. Yeah, but I was able to, like the second episode I was into and actually following, you know, what yeah, was going on. the core conflict. Um, so this show does have, it, it carries on that tradition, and it's it's really obvious that they're trying to do this. The first shot that we see people in is in a little spaceship or a little shuttle or something that's part of the space battle. And the three people that are in the ship, one is an African-American Vulcan, or I guess that doesn't make sense. One sure is a black Vulcan. One is a, like an indigenous person which i don't know i mean the actor was supposed to be playing an indigenous person no maki we'll talk about that later and then there's a woman who is we find out later is half klingon but she's all obviously like latina so that first shot they open for this of this new like star trek show they didn't have a single white person in that scene Mm -hmm. which i thought was really cool yeah um i am confused by chakote is the the oh, I just native actor person that's playing a native he's person. McKee and is what they. What no, he's, what? McKee's yes, different. That's what they 
I know, but I looked it up. And he calls himself Maquis. Right, but the Maquis are like a separatist terrorist organization. That's not a race or an ethnicity. I was confused by the native character because I looked this up too, and later on it is made really clear that he's supposed to be indigenous, like human, I guess. But he's played by a, an actor with of Mexican heritage, so that's a little weird. But again, I thought it was really cool that they opened the shot with no, no white people. I agree. So yeah, that guy, what's his name again? Chakotay. I just called him ta- uh, face tattoo guy because he has a tattoo in his face. Mm-hmm. He's he's a he's a hottie. Oh yeah. I I was hoping there was a moment when I thought he and uh, Captain Janeway were gonna hook up. And I said out loud to Micah, finally some sex. (laughs) I'd like to see you in private. But then they just went into another room and talked some more space shit. Yeah. But then, and I'm just skipping way through my notes because who gives a fuck about any of them? (laughs) But I, so Torres is the woman, is she the person you were saying is half Klingon? Belana Torres, yeah. Belana Torres. Mm -hmm. She's a really big part of this episode because she punches a dude out. Which is awesome. That's the second episode. I know. I'm talking yeah. about second okay. episode because yeah. she punched a dude out. He's clearly an asshole. So badass. <laughs> uh, he deserved it. Anyway, so Captain Janeway gives her a chance. See, I thought there was some racism going on there. So I thought the McKee, because the way there was a great scene between tattoo face guy and <laughs> um, Red where... <laughs> he says, I don't want to be your token Maquis. And he refers to Torres as Maquis. And mm-hmm. I thought, and the, the argument was like, she was saying, well, show me a Maquis who's qualified or mm-hmm. whatever. They don't have the discipline. They don't have the training. But some of them, like Bellana Torres, have the ability. The Starfleet officers on this ship have worked all their lives to earn their commissions. How am I supposed to ask them to accept a Maquis as their superior officer just because circumstances have forced us together? You're asking them to accept me. You're qualified. You're a graduate of the Academy, and you have Starfleet Command experience. Permission to speak freely. Go ahead. I have no intention of being your token Maquis officer. Show me another qualified Maquis candidate, and I'll consider him. Belana Torres. Who cannot control herself and who could not make it through the Academy. She's the best engineer I've ever known. She could teach at the Academy. It seemed like like they were talking about racism, so... I'm disappointed to hear that Maquis does not mean that. Yeah, so the stuff I read said that Maquis is like a terrorist, separatist organization. And Chakotay and Balana Torres were also in Starfleet before. Like, she went to the academy but then dropped out. He was actually an officer, but then they... No one knows what Starfleet essentially is. ...essentially defected. People know what Starfleet, Starfleet is. Starfleet is the training program for space people. Well, that's the academy. Starfleet is what they're part of. Like with their ships mm-hmm. and stuff. And Torres says she didn't want anything to do with Starfleet. But then later, she's like, "Everyone, uh, she does want to do it, be it, do it." Yeah, and she does. She becomes the chief engineer. Yeah, and she's awesome at it, of course. Two things. I want to go back for just a second. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm going back to the pilot because there was a part I did really need to mention. And that is Harry Kim, who is another mm-hmm. guy on the ship. He's the new ensign guy that doesn't know what to call Janeway. What's ensign? What's an ensign guy? An ensign is like the lowest rank. You sure on a know ship. a lot about Star Trek for cleaning. That's you like don't a know. navy thing. That's like real world. Oh, 
Cut that. <laughs> Cutting everything that makes me sound like a fucking idiot in this one. Anyway, Harry Kim says that he left his clarinet behind and that he played at Juilliard. Mm-hmm. Oh, you just say, mm-hmm, as if that makes any fucking sense. So he came from Earth? Yeah. These humans came from Earth. Yeah, Starfleet. But they live in a completely, it's all in an imagined universe. Well, it's the future. Except for Earth. Yeah. Yes, it takes place in the future, but yeah. there are... But there's still Earth, and yes, Starfleet... Members of other races from different planets and yes. shit. And, but I think Starfleet headquarters, or one of the Starfleet main headquarters, is on Earth. I found that very weird and also disappointing. Like, why throw in this very odd reference to some to something real that exists on Earth? It, like, totally took me out of the fantasy of all of it. Hmm. See, I, I would say I it, did like, not like it, it connects people and they can relate to him because he went to a school they know about and he's into music. And But then he, after, he went to Starfleet. Tractor beams. Yep, tractor beams. They Lots say things beams. like engaging tractor beam and tractor beam and disengaged yes. a lot. Engaging tractor beam. One thing that I was annoyed with that I think is true of all of Star Trek that I've ever seen. They have a conversation because the ship is, they go through some sort of plasma energy field and get transported 75 billion light years away from where they're supposed to be or something. So their whole goal for the whole show the whole run of the show is to try, try to get home so that all happens in the pilot in the next episode they're trying to figure out how to like marshal their resources and and take care of it because they can't just go in for maintenance at a regular starfleet gas station or whatever and they and they're missing a lot of crew because they got in this big space battle and people died and so they're trying to figure out what they're going to do one of the suggestions is can we reroute energy from the holodeck to the engines or other things to power the ship and they're like nope we can't do it for some reason the power units in the holodeck aren't compatible with this and this and this and it was this big problem and they were trying to figure out how to conserve energy but then the whole rest of the show somebody will come up with an idea like oh to get out of the parallax we need to turn this into a sub space tractor beam Mm -hmm. and they're like okay and one person looks down and goes beep boop pop that's done (laughs) let's use it now there's never any testing there's never any i need to go take this part off and put it on something else it's all as simple as saying computer do this beep boop bop and then everything's fixed they do that constantly throughout the show they have these crazy ideas that no one's ever thought of and they're like well if we do that it'll destroy the warp core you can't plug that in upside down and this person's like no i think if we do that and put in this resistor it'll work okay let's do it boom it worked yay I have nothing to contribute to this <laughs> that was the part stuff of the I conversation was at all. And it makes me feel dumb, and I hate it. I'm, like, frustrated now. You shouldn't feel dumb. Those aren't even real science things. Quantum singularity might be affecting your systems. <laughs> and it was. That's a that's the quote I wrote down. It made the doctor real small. They talked small, a lot about remember? quantum singularity, and it meant a black hole or something. Yeah, something like that. They could see themselves projected, and then they had to... D- fix that problem and they did they did that can we talk Um, about the doctor i I really like tuvok yes i was gonna talk about tuvok and there's a really great i like him and captain janeway together their interactions are great Mm. and also my favorite part with him was a really great quote about humans i will never cease to be amazed by the human capacity for hyperbole yeah i loved what i loved about tuvok is he 
nailed the like Vulcan speech pattern. Yes. He's yes. really good. He was the most he seemed the most familiar to me. Yeah. Because I was familiar enough with Spock mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, that's he's the I mean, clearly he's a Vulcan. You can tell he looks like he has, you know, the big pointy ears. But, and the eyebrows that go up. Right. But more than that, or at least equal to that, his mannerisms were very similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was great. He didn't have the bowl cut, which I was disappointed with. Um, but he was great in that. And the doctor, can we talk about the doctor? Yes, there's a doctor who's actually just a hologram, I guess. Yeah, he's just a computer program and a hologram. Um, because they lost their other doctor in the space battle they had at the beginning. I am not just a doctor. I've been designed with the information from 2,000 medical reference sources and the experience of 47 individual medical officers. I am the embodiment of modern medicine. Um, One thing I do want to say about that, I wrote down a note. There's a, a trope in Star Trek that the red shirts always die. In the original series, every time they'd go on an away mission, like down to a planet, they'd put together a team and it would be Kirk and Spock and the doctor and then one random dude in a red shirt because the red shirts were like the lower class officers or whatever. And that dude always died every single time. (laughs) It was always one random person and they died. So the colors changed in different Star Trek shows. So it wasn't the red shirts that died, but there's a guy at the beginning who's like the first mate or the second in command on the ship. And I wrote down, and he was in a red shirt, but I wrote down that you can, it's almost like you can tell who's going to die by how badly their uniforms fit. Because everyone (laughs) else's uniforms, and these uniforms are like sculpted and have shoulder pads and weird stuff. Mm -hmm. Everyone else's are like tight and look really good, like all the main characters. And then there's this one guy that has like three lines, and he's second (laughs) in command, and it's all baggy and janky looking. Mm -hmm. And he dies. He died. Yeah. Some of the acting on this show is pretty bad. Oh, I mean, I have yes. to admit. I have a note about that, too. I The part, there's there was one part with acting that made me just laugh so hard. <laughs> and it was the part where they're in the quantum singularity and mm-hmm. they are seeing themselves. So they're seeing their own ship yeah, ahead of them. Reflection of them, kind of. Yeah, sort of. And this guy, I forget who, doesn't matter. Not important. <laughs> he goes... It's the Voyager. And then he turns to the camera yeah. and says, It's us. <laughs> and I lost my shit. Yeah, that scene was also bad because he turns and he's in front of the computer screen, like the viewing screen. So it was bad, like 90s green screen technology too. So he looks really weird as he's saying, It's the Voyager. It's us. Yeah. Um, I had a couple acting notes as well. Harry Kim, who we've talked about. Very bad. Not a good actor. Pretty bad. There was a scene in the pilot where Harry Kim and Belana Torres get abducted or something. They're down on the surface of this planet or underground it. And they wake up in this medical bay, just the two of them. Everyone else has been transported back to the Voyager. And the two of them are transported to this little white room where they're laying on tables. And I thought, who the fuck thought it would be a good idea to have the two worst actors try to carry several scenes. I'm sorry, no. Bolana she was Torres. great later, but up to that point, I was not impressed with how that scene was going to go, and it did not go well. Bolana Torres is rad, and 
I will not allow you to say another bad thing about her. What I will say, though, going back to the part with the reflection of themselves, yes. was that there was also a dude who basically summed up my problem with time travel st- movies. You're saying that the other ship is actually just a reflection of us and that the distress call is actually just the captain's opening hail. But we picked up the distress call before she sent the hail. How could we have been seeing a reflection of something we hadn't even done yet? Am I making any sense here? No. That's yeah. what I hate about time travel movies. And Janeway's... It doesn't make sense. Janeway's explanation was terrible. One of the more difficult concepts to grasp in temporal mechanics is that sometimes effect can precede cause. A reaction can be observed before the action which initiated it. So she basically said, yeah, that's the tricky thing about time paradoxes is... Sometimes it doesn't work the way you think it's going to. And then she doesn't give any explanation, really. The only other things I have to say about this are um, Captain Janeway and Belana Torres, as I predicted, and I'm sure everyone else in the world predicted, join forces. They kick a bunch of ass. Uh, there's a meeting where the two of them are just spitballing and they're just being brilliant. And all the dudes are like, what? Yeah. And all the and the women get up and they're like really excited. If your analogy is correct, how do we get through that sheet of ice? Look for a crack or make a crack. Take something and smack it into the ice until it buckles. Wait a minute, what if we've already made a crack in the ice when we first entered the event horizon? If we could find our entry point, we might be able to slip out the way we came in. So, we'd be looking for a subspace instability in the event horizon. What would make it show up on our sensors? Warp particles. If we saturate the event horizon with warp particles, we might be able to see them escaping through the rupture we made when we entered. And then they get really close. Cool. Then they get really close to each other, and I was like, "Oh man, they're into each other." <laughs> anyway, I really think that they're into each other. Hmm. I don't think that that's going to be a plot line, but whatever, they're into each other. I mean, they super respect each other and all that, but they're both rad. And those men, they should just throw off the ship, except for Chicote and Tuvok. And Tuvok. Yeah, and those are the four. The The only four characters I give a fuck about are those four. And oh, the doctor. You, you like want to talk about the doctor. We'll do. We'll talk about the doctor. He's just a hologram dude, and he was the gym coach in Wonder Years. That's who he is. Yeah. That's why he's so familiar. And his last name is something like Picardo, which is weird because there was right, a Picard in... Picard. Yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah, I have a couple other things I'd like to say. One is... A polarized magnetic variation. Uh huh. Um, right, right. I'll come up with some others, I'm sure. Uh, here's something I wrote. This is the last, the very last thing I wrote down. I'm picking up a slight irregularity. It's a rupture, Captain. Wait, no, it's my boner. <laughs> that did not, That's that wasn't what I was doing. That wasn't a thing. That's what I was doing. <laughs> because I'm just, uh, the show, I'm sorry, everybody. I feel so bad about how badly we're talking about this. <laughs> we're doing a bad job, and I did a bad job watching it, and I I don't know. I like the feminism. I like that they also are addressing racism, sort of. There's a lot of good representation. Yeah, all of Star Trek, you know, from the beginning, which I think is really cool. I just don't get it, and I, I don't get it because I've never watched it. I've never been into like space sci-fi really i mean 
I don't think we're going to watch more of it for the podcast, really. But I bet if we did watch, if we watched it, not even all the way through, but just watched some later episodes and and had watched enough to know who the new characters they're introducing are and understand the relationships, I think there are a lot of good things that happen and a lot of characters that become yes. Yes, that's a good thing to remember is that we just watched the first... That's what's... Yeah. (laughs) This is a really... This is a real challenge of this podcast is that we've only... The only show that we've actually watched on an ongoing basis was My So-Called Life, which was really, really fun because, you know, we got to see those characters develop and, you know, obviously the show becomes just richer and richer as characters develop and things progress. So I, I don't know. So I don't know... If there are other shows that we should do that with, like stick with for at least a season or something, I feel like we should because I don't, I don't think that we can really do anything justice if we only watch the first episode or the first couple. I just, I don't know. So that's just a note on this podcast. And if anyone has feedback about that or suggestions about how we could do it differently or better, let us know. And I would be open to watching... If there's an episode that's really good that fits in our timeline that came yeah. out later, oh, definitely. I'd be able to watch another one or two. Um, sure. Because there are a lot of good things about it. And then there's also the character Neelix, which has, he has weird leopard spots on oh, his yeah, skin and a mohawk. And he was the... I thought he was funny. The PR guy on the show, Benson. So yeah, I recognized him in, right in away. Yeah, but who is in this show? He's like an alien. He's an alien Everyone's who an just alien, but... hitched a ride, basically, and is now part of the crew, but not really part well, of the crew. He's, he's helping because he yeah. knows a lot about... He knows the area. He knows space knowledge. Mm-hmm. And apparently he's a really good chef, so that probably comes up later. Um, but I don't have high hopes for his character not being annoying as fuck later on. I think there are other characters that are introduced. There is a character that's a Borg I think. Do you know what a Borg is, Jen? Oh, of course. Okay. So Who doesn't? She, they're like this hive mind cyborg people that like assimilate people and then make them cyborgs. And they all think together and they're all like one being kind of. Okay. There was a character and I think the Borg were introduced during Star Trek The Next Generation, but they were thought of as this big evil group hive mind thing. Um, but this show introduced a character that was a real character that was still part Borg, but was able to regain some of her humanity and become part of the crew. Mm. So I think that was an interesting character that was introduced later. But other than that, I don't know much about Star Trek Voyager. I guess that's all we have to say for now. Kate Mulgrew rules. And uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, we love you and appreciate your support. I think we actually have two new patrons to thank because we forgot to do one of them or maybe both of them last time but anyway pat who is from the podcast pod venture time which is a great show about adventure time if you're a fan of adventure time highly recommend checking that out anyway thank you so much pat we appreciate it so much and our other new patron is mike well mike and morgan from a bad reception podcast so we got a couple podcasters supporting us recently which is pretty rad thank you so so much um and bad reception is one of my favorites it's a great show about bad television not always bad television (laughs) but stuff usually had a bad reception that got canceled or wasn't well received at the time yeah it's great i just listened to their halloween episode or 
one of their Halloween episodes. Yeah, the one I listened to today was their top 10 favorite Halloween episodes. All right. So um, we could really use some more patrons. Um, I quit my job today. Um, It was kind (laughs) of like uh, something's got to go. It's either the job or the podcast. I chose the podcast for you. You're welcome. So could you please give us money? (laughs) Because... I don't have a job now. Oh, no jobs, but full of tax I mean, over here. Podcast I never is saw a that. job. We're creating, you know, like I do consider it a job. And I, hey man, we appreciate our patrons so, so, so very much. I really thank you so much. I think we have 32, which means only 18 to go to reach our first goal. And that means I will get a tattoo that is designed by one of our patrons. Oh and man. I think you guys it's can all be like, like vote on it and all this shit like that. Or maybe the Voyager. Okay. Anyway, thank you. Uh, thanks to Grandma Cray for our artwork. Thank you to Fifi Folios for our internet stuff. Thanks to Minus Violet for our music. Until next time. Look out for that the- plasma store. <laughs> we'll see you in the 90s. Hey, Christy, what do we talk about on our podcast? Well, Ashley, we talk about all kinds of weird stuff. Like aliens. And ghosts. And cults. And cryptids. And witches. And murders. Yeah, even sometimes murders. Basically, we talk about all kinds of weird shit. Oh, I already said that. Oh. So yeah, if you like weird topics, feminist rants, and the occasional F-bomb, you should listen to us. We post new episodes every other Monday. Find us online at thatsweird.org. And subscribe to That's Weird on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts.